When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Let me call your special attention this morning to these last words. And Peter turned around and he looked and he saw John standing over to the side and he said to him, what about this man? And Jesus answered and said to him, what is that to you? Follow thou me. These are the words I lift up for your special consideration. What is that to you? Follow thou me. Now the words of our text come from one of my favorite stories out of the entirety of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. The reason why it is one of my favorites is because I think that this story is a perfect example of our humanity. By that I mean when we read this story in its entirety from beginning to end, we see our, the raw example of our humanity and we understand something of the reality of our human nature. And at the same time as we see the raw version of our humanity and as we see the uncut story of human nature, we see also something of the way in which Jesus deals with us and the way in which he understands the reality of humanity and of human nature. One of the last experiences of Jesus' life following the resurrection was the visit he had with Peter in which Jesus came to Peter and he asked him three different times, Peter, do you really and truly love me? And each time Jesus asked Peter the question, do you love me? Peter tried to answer as dogmatically and as assuringly as was possible for him to answer it, saying to him, Lord, you know that I love you. And each time Peter made an affirmation of his love, you will remember Jesus laid upon him a sense of responsibility, an obligation, a job for him to do. He listened over and over and over again as Jesus asked him, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
Finally, he sort of got irritated that Jesus should ask him so many different times, do you really love me? And you can almost hear the irritation in Peter's voice as he answered the last time. Master, you know everything there is to know about me, and you know that I love you. It was as though Peter was summing up within his soul all of the courage and all of the conviction and all of the devotion and all of the dedication possible for an individual to call to mind to assure Jesus of his love and his devotion and his willingness to be whatever Jesus wanted him to be and do whatever Jesus wanted him to do. And then immediately we catch the glimpse of humanity in its rawest form. He looked around and there close to them was this beloved disciple of our Lord's, a man by the name of John. And immediately Peter began to wonder in his own mind what Jesus was going to ask John to do. And so he listened and Jesus didn't say anything at all about John. He didn't say to him, do you love me? And then there are things that I want you to do. And so Peter began to say to him, now master, you have sort of laid it on the line as far as I'm concerned. You haven't let me forget my betrayal. You haven't let me forget the weakness of my own human nature, the lack of love that I've showed. But he said, let me ask you, what is this man, this beloved disciple of yours, the one with whom you have been so intimate and so closely involved, what is he going to do? What about him? And Jesus said, don't you worry about that. Don't you fret yourself about what this man is going to do. This you leave in my hands. And as I said, this is a perfect example of our humanity. For one of the most glaring traits of our human nature is for us to be concerned about what we're going to do, for us to be concerned about our responsibility, for us to be concerned about assuming our obligations while at the same time we look about us at those with whom we live and suddenly discover they are not as involved as we are asked to be as in, involved. A life is going along pretty smooth as far as they're concerned. They have everything they want. And one of the realities of our human nature is that we become concerned about what we are being asked to do, the price we are being asked to pay, the sacrifice that we are being asked to make, while at the same time those with whom we live are not facing the same obligation or the same responsibility that we are being asked to face. And I also said that this points us to an understanding of the nature of Jesus and the way in which the uh, Christ deals with our humanity and with our human nature. For rather than trying to argue with Peter about what he wanted him to do or try to explain to him his position and his responsibility, Jesus simply said to him, What is that to thee? Follow thou me. And in explaining this and in sharing with his disciple this one idea or this one fact, 
Jesus lifts up for each of us the great reality of Christianity and of our Christian faith, and he lifts it up in three different ways. First of all, we see from this that Christianity is a man to be loved. Begins by saying, lovest thou me? And when he was getting ready to make his final return to God, as he was going back, he, his one final concern or consideration was the love that people had for him. Someone has so well said, all true Christianity has at its heart this personal relationship to Jesus Christ. To be a Christian, the writer said, is to know Christ personally. And I think that we can go one step further following the example of Jesus himself and say that to be a Christian is to know Christ in a personal sort of way and the more we know him, the more we love the man that he is. You may recall the Apostle Paul said it in this way, I live, yet it is not I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. Or again he said, for me to live is Christ. And Jesus makes it quite clear to us that one's love for him is by far the most important thing in all of the world. For when Christianity begins with a love for Christ, then what we are to him becomes the thing of utmost importance in our own individual lives. When our faith begins with a love for Christ, when we stop to consider how much we really love him, then the love that we have for him becomes the thing of utmost importance. And what someone else is doing or what someone else is not doing, what someone else is saying, or the life that someone else may be living means less and less and less. So Jesus shares with us an idea in which he says Christianity, for it really to be meaningful, begins first of all with a man to be loved. Then he goes on to say not only is it a man to be loved, but he said it is a life to be lived. He says to Peter, if you love me, then follow me. If you'll read carefully, you can't remember, I know, all of the reading of a scripture lesson. But if you'll go home and read once again the passage of scripture from which our text is taken, you'll see that Jesus said on more than one occasion to Peter, follow me. Not only did he uh, lift up the idea of love, but he also magnified the importance of following the directions Jesus would give. It's rather interesting to me that uh, he never once said to Peter or to any of the other disciples, here are some of the things I would like for you to discuss. He never said, here is a system of ethics by which you can gain victory over the forces of evil or over the powers of darkness that so oftentimes dominate the world. He never even offered them a guideline by which people could live the Christian life. 
He didn't establish certain rites or certain rituals and say, these are the things you need to do if you are going to live the Christian life, if you're going to enjoy the fullness of the Christian faith. He simply said, follow me. And in so doing, he lays the foundation for all that we can ever expect to be. We can argue about the ideas of Christianity till we're blue in the face. We can establish all of the guidelines of the Christian faith we choose to establish. We can, we can lay down certain rites and certain rituals as the church has from generation to generation laid down the rites and rituals and yet still miss the greatness of Christianity. On the other hand, when we begin with a love for Christ and a willingness to follow wherever he asks us to go, then we come to understand the joys of the faith and the blessings that only God is able to give. We're going to go on in the third place to see that Christianity is a man to be loved, a life to be lived, and a work to be done. Almost immediately after Peter had declared his love for Christ, Jesus assigned him a work that needed to be done. He said to him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, uh, serve the needs of the flock for which you are responsible. It follows, does it not? that once we establish a love for Christ and decide this is the kind of life that we are going to live, it follows, does it not, that we are going to be held responsible for the, kind, for the way in which the needs of God minister, the message of God ministers to the needs of humanity. Dr. William Barclay, commenting on these words, says it this way. We do not really love Christ unless we are prepared to face his task and to take up his cross. We don't really love him, he said, until we are willing to do the things that God asks us to do and serve in the way in which God asks us to serve. I don't know of anything that would mean more to our understanding of Christianity than to come to the realization that each of us in our own way has been challenged by the basic needs of the human race. I don't know of anything that would mean more to us than for us to realize that as a result of our love for God, we have been challenged by the needs of the human race. And as a result of the challenge, we are called to serve to the very best of our ability the needs of those with whom we live. A simple way of saying that the greatest challenge in life is not to measure up to the expectations of those with whom we live. It's not to measure up to the standards that have been set by those that have gone before it's always a rather interesting thing for us to study the lives of the saints of yesteryear, to see the kind of life they've lived and the devotion they've shown, 
and the dedication they've experienced within their life. And yet the challenge of Christianity to you and me is not to try to measure up to the expectation of those with whom we live, nor even follow the example of those that have gone before us, but to find that place which is uniquely our own, and then to the very best of our ability, fulfill that place which God has assigned to us. Let me illustrate it in this way. In the year 1946, I believe it was, I listened, as some of you listened, to the most memorable sporting event to which I was ever privileged to listen. It was a football game one Saturday afternoon between the University of Alabama and the University of Tennessee. The thing that made it so memorable to me was not that my team won, for my team went down in defeat. But the thing that made it so memorable to me was a little fellow by the name of Harry Gilmer, whom some of you may remember, as an outstanding football player. Every single play in the second half, he handled a ball. And on every single play, he took a beating and a bruising by a powerful Tennessee football team. They came in, they knocked him down, and they stepped on him, and he'd get up, and he'd come back, and he'd play again. His number was always called. And so far as I know, the thing that, that stands out in my mind as vividly as though the game were yesterday was that every single play of the second half, and many of the plays in the first half, he came back with resilience, to do the job that he had been assigned to do without any complaint whatsoever about the line that let the defensive line through or those that failed to catch the passes that he threw or the ones that returned the kicks that he had kicked. Over and over and over again, a little man weighing 160, 65 pounds jumped into the air and threw the ball, or he came down and ran with the ball, only to be viciously attacked by those that he was playing against. And it seems to me that here is the essence of the Christian faith as far as you and I are concerned. To see that place in life which is uniquely our own, to feel the urgency of the situation in which we are involved and to hear the clamor and cries of the human race and at the same time the unction of God as he moves within the heart and soul of each one of us. Realizing that our responsibility in life is not simply to measure up to the expectation of those with whom we live but to take that talent which God has invested in us and follow him as a result of our love for him and do that which he has called us to do until finally we can say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought a good fight and I have kept the faith and I have finished the course. Henceforth, 
there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness and not for me alone but for all of those who have remained faithful to the call that God has made and to the love that we have chosen to follow. Help us, our Heavenly Father, as we struggle from time to time to truly know ourselves as Thou dost know us, to love Thee as Thou hast loved us, and to serve in the same way in which the needs of our life have been met by the message of Christ and the power of the Christian faith. For it is in his name we pray. Amen.